to season four, episode 11 of Vixen, a black beauty and pop culture podcast. If you enjoy what you hear today, please leave a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Today's episode is the season four finale, the film review episode. Now, let's start the show. Welcome to your season four finale episode. Oh my God, I cannot believe that we are already here. Um, But I just want to say before I get started with this episode that I am very pleased with this season. I normally save stuff like this for the end of the episode, but I'm going to start with it on this one. Um, I think I said in the last episode, I really have enjoyed just the variety and the versatility of the people we discussed. Um, You guys had rave reviews. You seem to enjoy quite a few of this season's episodes. So that means I did my job and that means the world to me. Um, I'm so happy that y'all have enjoyed this season and I cannot wait to come back for season five. But for now, let's get into this finale. So for my new listeners, the podcast goes by seasons um, and every season has 10 episodes, sometimes 11 if I do a bonus, like this episode is the 11th because last week was a bonus episode. So once the film review finale episode goes live, we take a break until the next season. Um, The final episode of each season is a themed film review, like I said. So for this film review finale I wanted to discuss a topic that I thought would be fun since over the last few years we've gotten a lot of movies based on girl groups on singers on actors we've just seen a lot of biopics in the last 10 years so I thought it would be fun to talk about the original Dreamgirls play and the 2006 remake which was a movie Um, and we're also going to talk about the original Sparkle film and the 2012 remake of that movie so let's get into it. In 1975, Nell Carter, a popular singer and actress in the theater circuit, appeared in a play called The Dirtiest Show in Town. After her success in The Dirtiest Show in Town, the show's playwright, Tom Ian, was inspired to make a brand new musical about Black backup singers inspired by musical acts such as The Supremes, The Shirelles, and many others. So Tom was so taken with Nell's performance, plus the success of the show, that he wanted to make a brand new musical that centered around her so she would be the lead in this new show. So that original story follows the journey of the Dreamettes, a singing trio from Chicago, who later finds success as the Dreams. The musical, later known as Project Nine, signed Nell on as the lead with actresses Cheryl Lee Ralph and Loretta Devine as her groupmates. Before the project could get underway, Nell had to leave to star in the 1978 soap opera Ryan's Hope. They replaced Nell with Jennifer Holliday, and the original play was born, having its opening day on December 20th, 1981 at the Imperial Theater on Broadway. So the musical was an absolute success, y'all. It was sold out every night. I mean, it was encore. It was all of the above. Like everything you think of about a Broadway show, Dreamgirls was it. Um, It was nominated for 13 Tony Awards in 1982, and it won six of them. The success of the Dreamgirls musical continued well into the 1980s and 1990s. The show went on the road in 1997 and then again in 2004. Throughout this time, the group behind the show was in talks to adapt it into a movie, but they pretty much turned all of them down. David Geffen, who was one of the musical's like finance guys, he basically helped fund the movie. Um, He actually owned the film rights at the time, and he was very, very concerned about preserving the integrity of the original Dreamgirls uh, musical if it was to become a movie. So I believe a lot of the people who were involved in the original had 
passed away at this point. It was very important to David that the integrity um, stayed with it if it was to become a movie. So he just was very, very picky with the deals that were coming across his desk. Um, he did change his tune in 2002 after a little Broadway musical called Chicago became a huge hit. So David was contacted by movie producer Lawrence Mark who wanted to connect him with Bill Condon. So Bill Condon actually wrote Chicago and he was dying to work on Dreamgirls. Like ever since he heard that it was a possibility that it could be made into a movie, he wanted to be a part of it. In an interview with the Post-Gazette, David said, At the time Larry called, I'd given up on making the movie. I thought A Chorus Line was a terrible movie, and I did not want that to happen to Dreamgirls, end quote. But anyway, he still met with them for dinner, um, and Bill convinced David to allow him to write a screenplay for Dreamgirls, and they sent in the first draft in January 2005, and then the movie got greenlit right after that. The film starred Jennifer Hudson in her acting debut, Beyonce Knowles, Anika Noni Rose, Jamie Foxx, Eddie Murphy, Danny Glover, and Keith Robinson. The film got all sorts of praise on the soundtrack, the costume design, production, cast performances, um, and Jennifer got huge, huge praise, a lot of praise for her role as Effie. So about the casting, they already knew that they wanted Jamie Foxx and Eddie Murphy as Curtis Taylor and Jimmy Early, um, but they wanted the Dreamettes to be relatively unknown talent, and they actually got quite the opposite. Like, it did not work out that way at all. Of course, Beyonce got the role of Dina after lobbying for a screen test. Um, Anika, she was already pretty big on the Broadway circuit. She had won a Tony Award by then. Um, she got the part of Laurel through the auditioning process. And then Jennifer Hudson was also casted through an audition process with over 700 other singers and actresses. One of them was Fantasia, by the way. I think it was like kind of in between them two and probably some other people. But I know like that they were really, really being looked at for the role. But Jennifer ended up winning it in the end. Um, I know y'all remember how much of a success this movie was. If y'all were around, like, oh my God. So it actually opened on Christmas Day of 2006. I remember going to see this with my grandma and some of my cousins. Um, it made over $103 million in uh, U.S. box office internationally, it made like over 155 million, and it got eight Academy Award nominations. There was a little bit of drama behind the scenes, though, as always, y'all, as always. So first, Jennifer Holiday, who originally played Effie in the musical, spoke out against the film. Um, she was disappointed that she wasn't involved in the movie, even though there were a few people from the original play that were, I believe, Loretta Devine makes an appearance, and a couple other people make appearances as well. Also, Jennifer Holliday's version of And I Am Telling You appeared in a teaser for the movie, and I don't believe that she was properly axed or credited. Now, that's one thing about the music industry that really, really confuses me. I know that when it's an artist, um, like original song, of course you need to ask for permission, but I feel like it probably gets murky when people are singing songs that actually belong to a musical or um, are involved in the rights to a film like I'm not really sure if they were supposed to ask her here I mean it seems rude to not ask but I don't know how that works if y'all know please fill me in because I was kind of confused by this but anyway she just felt like you know they probably should have asked her for it they used it in a very very um early teaser for the movie I think it was before like shooting had even got underway for real um so obviously before Jennifer Hudson's version was recorded but yeah Here's a condensed quote from a 2020 interview Jennifer Holliday did with Inside Edition. 
I'm not going to lie. I did have hopes that I would reprise the role for the screen. What I wasn't prepared for was not to even be asked to do a cameo of some sort. For six months, they used my voice on the trailer. What the public doesn't understand is that I actually created my role. I wasn't a girl for hire and someone said, here's the script and here's the songs. Your job starts tomorrow. I actually created that role. Everything from the song and I am telling you to the end of the second act, I created. End quote. So this is actually true. Um, in the early versions of the Dream Girls musical, Effie was supposed to not appear in the second act. Y'all know how plays are in acts. I think there's usually three. Um, but she was not supposed to come back for the second act. She was her role was gonna completely end after the first one. Um, but Jennifer lobbied for Effie to uh, be in the second act. Um, so they extended Effie's storyline. I guess you would call. It. I don't know if you call it a storyline in a play, but y'all know what I mean. Um, so they um, extended Effie's storyline um, and they gave her more songs. So the Effie role is what it is today. Because because of Jennifer Holiday, I absolutely agree with her. She's absolutely right. So she was also upset about Jennifer Hudson not reaching out to her directly for advice on the role. Here's another quote from her from an ABC interview in 2017. You're young and you have a lot of people around you trying to advise you. She was ill-advised because she wasn't old enough to say, I don't care what you say. I'm going to call and find Jennifer Holiday, and I'm going to do whatever. And maybe she even tried to. Something that had hurt me so much actually turned out to be one of the greatest things that could ever happen to me. Had it not been for the movie, had it not been for her snub, it would have been different, end quote. Um, so Jennifer Holiday wasn't the only person who spoke out about the film. I think a lot of other people had mixed feelings on it. I don't know. I think they just had mixed feelings and thought that they should have been involved. Um, personally, I think they should have been asked to participate. I think even a quick cameo from everyone who was still living from the original uh, would have been nice, I, I think. Um, what do y'all think about that? I definitely think people should come back and make a cameo. I don't know about reprising the role like 30, 40 years later, but definitely make a cameo. Some more drama that happened behind the scenes of Dream Girls was the For Your Consideration campaign that the studio launched um, as the movie was gearing up for its premiere. So basically, a For Your Consideration campaign is a campaign that is directed towards the entertainment industry. It really doesn't have anything to do with like us, the general public, the people, the audience who are going to go see the movie. It's more so for the critics, the people who make the choices, the people who give out the awards. So those kinds of campaigns are directed towards the Academy, um, the Emmy Award people, the people behind the Golden Globes. Like that's kind of who that is directed to. They come on regular TV. I'm sure you guys have seen them. Um, but and they appear in magazines too, but they're not really for us, you know, because we ain't the people that's about to get these people to war. You know, we're going to watch the wars, but we don't choose, right? So um, in the campaign for Dream Girls, they did not campaign for both. Oh, and another thing about these for your consideration campaigns, they basically offer up who they want to um, possibly be nominated for certain roles. So in the campaign for Dream Girls, the studio did not campaign for both Beyonce and Jennifer for the Best Actress nomination, but they chose Beyonce for Best Actress and then Jennifer Hudson for Best Supporting Actress. Now, people thought that this was off because I think some people feel like Effie is the star of Dream Girls. I honestly do. Um, and I remember being like, Supporting Actress is kind of weird because I felt like, it was all centered around her. I mean, Dreamgirls was written um, to be centered around Nell Carter, who would have played Effie if she had not went on to her soap opera. So I feel like she is the main character. You know what I mean? Like, so she definitely should have been 
um, the best actress nominee in my opinion, but I'm not sure like what what do you guys think about this? Because I'm thinking maybe they were like, we don't want to put two people in the same movie in the same category and we have a better chance of winning if we spread it out. So maybe that's why they did it. But it should have been Beyonce for best supporting actress. No shade. Y'all know I'm a part of the Beehive. I love me some B. But Jennifer Hudson should have been nominated for best actress. I'm sorry. It should have been the other way around. I get them wanting to spread out the nominees, but it should have been the other way around. So a lot of people thought that that was shady. Um, They didn't think that that was fair. And a lot of people kind of like drew, um, picked up on that parallel between Jennifer Hudson and Beyonce uh, in the movie with Dina and Effie with like Dina coming in and kind of like taking Effie's spot in the group and things like that. So it's just kind of like an ironic parallel there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I totally think it should have been the other way around. What do you guys think? More drama. This is the last one. Yeah. So lastly, Dreamgirls was the first film in history to receive the highest number of nominations for the year, yet not be nominated for Best Picture. So usually when a film gets a bunch of nominations, it's usually a no-brainer that it has also been nominated for Best Picture. I hope that makes sense to y'all. So typically, if you have like five nominations, six, seven, eight, nine, you're usually up for Best Picture as well but dream girls was not dream girls had i believe eight i think i said eight earlier yes they had eight um nominations but they were not nominated for best picture um which people just thought that was weird a lot of people thought that it was intentional they thought it was a snub in an article called the anatomy of a snub film critic david edelstein said dream girls was a spectacular pedestal but the thing that was on it was distinctly mediocre. It was supposed to document this magnificent period and transformation in American culture when African Americans at last made it into mainstream culture. The music didn't give you any sense of how it possibly could, end quote. So I'm gonna let y'all marinate on that. Like, what do you guys think? Do y'all think that it deserved a Best Picture nomination? I personally say... Hell yes, because I mean, listen, black people came out in droves for that movie. I remember going to the theater to see that shit. Sorry, excuse my language on Christmas Day. Like I think for impact and how important it was um, for black audiences, I think it definitely deserved deserved best picture. And white people fucking love dream girls. Again, excuse my language. But white people love, I think it's definitely a movie that connects with the black audience, but it connects with all audiences. I think people loved it. I feel like that was the only movie people talked about that year. So moving on, the biggest elephant in the room when it comes to dream girls is whether or not it's based on the Supreme. So let's talk about it. All right. So this comparison is brought up so much that I honestly thought that Dreamgirls was the life story of the Supremes. Not now, of course not, but back when it came out, I thought it was based on the Supremes. Did anybody else think that? Like I legitimately thought it was their life story. Um, I assume that people who were around for the musical and stuff, like they already know that it's not based on the Supremes, but I for sure thought it was based on them. But anyway, I just thought that it was a known thing that it was about them, but it's really not. Um, Literally everybody involved with the musical and the film deny that it was based on the Supremes, even though there's a longstanding rumor that they only deny it to avoid lawsuits from Motown and the Supremes themselves. It's a quote from a 2015 interview with the Dreamgirls playwright, Tom Ian, from the Columbus Dispatch. It's all about success in the spotlight. The business scene is filled with ambition and betrayal and disappointment. In a 1986 interview, he said, I didn't grow up with the Supremes. I grew up with the Shirelles. Dreamgirls isn't about any one group. 
It's a cavalcade of black Motown singers, the Shirelles, the Chiffons, Martha and the Vandellas, Little Richard, and Stevie Wonder. All the characters are larger than life, end quote. So shout out to Tom, but let me just tell y'all how this totally insults our intelligence. Like, (laughs) as the kids would say, that's cap. That's not true. I'm sorry. And here are just a few of the similarities between Dreamgirls and the real life story of the Supremes. I didn't list all of them here because, again, we would be here all day. This movie is based on the Supremes, period. But anyway, so... Both groups start off with ets in their name. The Supremes started off as the Primettes. The Dreams start off as the Dreamettes. Um, both Diana Ross and Dina Jones are chosen as the leads because their voices were seen as more marketable. So in the Supremes, Florence Ballard was originally um, the lead. And just like Effie in the movie and musical, she has like a very strong voice that projects all of that good stuff. Um, Dina and Diana kind of have like more of a softer, like soprano tone. Um, And they just thought that Diana Ross's sound was more marketable, more commercial. Um, Motown urged the press to refer to Diana Ross as Miss Ross. And in the movie, the press is told to address Dina as Miss Jones. Diana Ross was pushed to the lead of the group. um, And Florence Ballard was very angry about this when she was forced to the background. Very similar to the reaction of Effie um, when Dina becomes the star of the dreams. Florence Ballard missed studio sessions, performances. Um, She fell ill a lot. She gained weight. Um, All of these things led to her being fired. And the same thing happens with Effie, as we saw. Um, The night that Florence was fired, a new member, Cindy Birdsong, performed with the Supremes for the very first time. Just as in the movie, new member of the dreams, Michelle, performs with the group the night that Effie is fired. So y'all, y'all see the picture painting here? Um, at a performance in Vegas in 1967, the Supremes now become known as Diana Ross and the Supremes. Also in 1967 in Las Vegas, the Dreams become Dina Jones and the Dreams. So, and also just like how the group kind of loses contact, like after the fallout um, in the movie, the falling out of the Supremes has also been well documented. Here's a 2012 quote from Supremes member Mary Wilson in an interview with Yahoo. Being girls is not easy. Not easy to communicate and stay friends when you got your boyfriend, husband, the company. You got all these things coming at you. It's not the kind of thing that keeps you together. Our friendship kind of ended after. We were friends first. We went through all these great things together and then pretty soon it did whatever. But it was never animosity between us. We really, really love each other and still do. But maybe Diana and I are not close, but we still love each other. It's just she went her way and I had to go this way and that's it. End quote. So as y'all can see, there are a ton of similarities between the real life story of the Supremes as well as um, Dream Girls. Um, it's really crazy. I did not list them all. It's it's no need to lie, but when a lawsuit is threatened, you absolutely need to lie. So no shame in their game. I totally understand why they don't speak on it. But yeah, it's it's I think it's safe to say that it's based on the Supremes. So the Supremes definitely know that Dream Girls was based on their story. Um, Mary Wilson loved the movie so much that she named her book after it. Her book was called Dream Girl, My Life is a Supreme. Um, in a 2014 interview with Oprah, Cheryl Lee Ralph, who played Dina in the musical, said that she was told not to copy any of Diana Ross's mannerisms when on stage or they would be sued. She also said that she ran into Diana Ross after the show's opening night and Diana kind of just like 
snubbed her brushed her off and she was just like yeah okay she's probably seen or heard the show in a 2007 interview with the detroit news diana ross was asked how she felt about the dream girls movie and here's what she had to say if in any way my life and what our music has done and what we stood for has made a difference, has made it possible for movies like Dreamgirls to be made, I am just really proud of that fact. I have not seen Dreamgirls because I know it is not our story and I know that they have taken images and likenesses of our story and used that. So I'm confused as to how I should react because I'm complimented on one hand, but it's something that's not true. People are going to think there's some truth there when there's not in quotes so that is basically a nice way to say like beautiful gowns but stop using my likeness like <laughs> good for y'all that movie like it, it's doing well it looks cute but I don't want anything to do with that and stop using my likeness I don't know if I'm supposed to be complimented by it like I don't know Diana Ross is just so classy uh, <laughs> she was trying to throw a little light shade there probably but yes you know she kept it cute. So that is uh, the Dream Girls portion of the episode. Let's get into Sparkle. In the mid-1970s, Lon Elder found himself as the writer for an Academy Award-nominated play called Sounder. He then wrote the first drafts for a movie he was calling Sparkle, loosely based on guess who? Diana Ross and the Supremes, baby. Lon then passed it on to Warner Brothers Studio, who insisted that an editor named Sam Osteen direct it. Even though Sam had experience editing movies like Rosemary's Baby, this was going to be his directorial debut. Sparkle was set throughout the late 1950s, early 1960s in Harlem, following a girl group made up of three sisters, Sister, Sparkle, and Dolores. It shows the different paths that all three girls take once they start to find some success and how they go those separate ways due to different issues that each of them face. So even though Sparkle was inspired by the Supremes and the writers say that it was, um, it doesn't really mirror their story the way that Dream Girls does. So the girls are sisters, not friends. Um, the issues they face are different and they encounter different situations with men. It's just not really the same. You know what I mean? There aren't as many similarities in the Supreme's real life story as it is with Dream Girls. The original Sparkle was set in New York, but the remake was in Detroit. So I guess that's what kind of connects the movie to the Supremes and Motown. But we'll talk more about that later. So anyway, they quickly got to work on putting together a cast. They were on a strict budget of $1 million and they were adamant about casting relatively unknown talent, very similar to how the Dreamgirls musical came about. At age 17, Irene Cara was casted as Sparkle, Lynette McKee, this was her very first film role by the way, was cast as Sister, and Dewan Smith starred as Dolores. The original film also stars Philip Michael Thomas, Mary Alice, Dorian Harewood, and Tony King. As far as the team behind the scenes of the movie, like the BTS team was really just given black excellence, okay? Um, Curtis Mayfield was the in-house producer and writer for all of Sparkle's original songs. Um, Aretha Franklin then sung all of Curtis's songs for the soundtrack. Um, the soundtrack to the movie was also called Sparkle. Um, famous dancer Lester Wilson choreographed the entire movie alongside his assistant, Michael Peters, who went on to later choreograph both Beat It and Thriller. So like I said, it was given black excellence. There was a great team behind this movie. The songs themselves, um, especially when Aretha re-recorded them in Ended up being a huge hit but unfortunately the movie was not y'all 
The movie premiered on April 7th, 1976, five years before Dreamgirls hit the Broadway stage, and it only grossed $4 million at the box office. And remember, the movie had a budget of $1 million, so only grossing $4 million. In the film world, that is considered a flop. Um, it got a lot of negative reviews, although it did pretty well in like the pre-screenings and the audiences that they showed it to seemed to really like it. But for some reason, it just flopped. I don't know. Why do you guys think that is? Um, I don't know if it could have been like, because this movie was before Dreamgirls and remember Dreamgirls started off as a musical, would Sparkle have been better off as a musical instead of coming out as a movie? Was it the budget? Was there a lack of promotion? I'm not really sure what was happening here. Um, I'm assuming they were pre-screening the movie to like all black audiences and once it premiered like to the masses, Others just didn't get it. I don't know. I don't know what happened. What do y'all think? Um, but either way, the movie did go on to achieve cult classic status in the black community. Y'all know Sparkle has us in a chokehold. Um, so yeah, I feel like it's just one of those cult classic movies now. Hey y'all. So I know we're all excited to come out of this pandemic and get back to our regular lives. But let's be honest. We've been through a lot these last two years. You might feel like you need to step back, reassess, process it all, set new goals, or just talk to somebody. I was feeling the exact same way and I just had my very first session with my new life coach, Tola Maria. I ain't gonna lie y'all, I was nervous, but Tola made the space very comfortable, I felt safe, and I felt like I could be open and honest. Although she made me comfortable, she did not hold back y'all, she definitely told me about myself. But it all felt really constructive. I got some good tips. It was definitely eye-opening and very much needed. Having a life coach is something that I think black women can truly get a lot out of. So I've partnered with Tola Maria Life Coach to offer my listeners 12% off their bulk sessions when they use my code, FIXIN. You can use this code on her website, which will be linked down in the show notes. And you can find her on Instagram at tmarialifecoach. That's T M A. R-I-A, Life Coach. And don't forget to use code Vixen and let her know that I've sent you. Even though the movie turned out to be a bit of a disappointment, many of the movie stars went on to have very successful careers in the industry, which is great because remember, pretty much the entire cast was relatively unknown. Um, Irene Cara went on to star in Fame, and she had a pretty successful singing career. Lynette McKee got a lot of other TV and film gigs, and so did Philip Michael Thomas. He was kind of like a heartthrob. Um, he moved on to the TV show Miami Vice. So let's fast forward to the 90s. So from 1995 to 2000, Deborah Martin Chase and Whitney Houston developed several screenplays for a remake of Sparkle and shopped them to Warner Brothers Studio. So Whitney's company, Brown House Productions, had a deal with Warner Brothers, but none of these screenplays ended up working out until about 2011 when Sony Pictures and Affirm Pictures were brought in to produce the movie with husband and wife Salim and Mara Brock Akil. Of course, y'all know Mara Brock Akil from Girlfriends. Hey. Um, with Salim and Mara as co-directors writing the brand new screenplay. So the Sparkle remake pretty much had the same exact plot as the original, but a few things were changed. Um, it was now set in late 60s Detroit instead of um, late 50s Harlem. Um, Whitney Houston's character, Emma, the girl's mother, she was no longer a housekeeper, but a former R&B singer turned 
churchgoer. Um, Satin, sister's boyfriend, played by Mike Epps in the remake, was no longer a gangster. They kind of made him more of a like a funny, silly character. For casting, the team chose Whitney Houston as Emma, of course. Um, Jordan Sparks as Sparkle. Carmen Ijogo as Sister. Tika Sumter as Dolores, Derek Luke as Styx, and Mike Epps as Satin, as I mentioned earlier. The movie was released on August 17th, 2012, after being pushed back um, after the death of the late great legend Whitney Houston. Um, it did get mixed reviews, but was considered better than the original. Um, so what do you, which one do y'all like better? Me, personally... I prefer the original, but I love seeing Whitney Houston. So I have a very soft spot in my heart for the Sparkle remake. We're going to get into um, the answers from the poll I did on Instagram last week about this um, topic. And when I was doing the poll, people were writing to me like, girl, why you set them up comparing this movie to Dreamgirls? <laughs> Talking about comparing it to the Dreamgirls remake, right? And I laughed, but it's like, y'all know, like, come on, man, like this was not a horrible movie, but the original Sparkle was the better Sparkle, in my opinion. But I get what y'all are saying. It's just Dreamgirls, the remake of Dreamgirls was so much, like, it was literally larger than life. And I didn't even realize it until I started to put together this episode. Like, the Dreamgirls remake was jam-packed. It had hella celebrities in it. Everybody was talented as fuck. Not saying that no, people in the Sparkle one was, I'm just saying. Um... It was, and it was a, it had a, it was just a bigger production. You know what I mean? So I get what y'all are saying, but nonetheless, I have a soft spot in my heart for the Sparkle remake. Rest in peace, Whitney Houston. Okay, y'all, so let's get into my favorite part of these film review episodes, and that is the little known facts about the shows and the movies that we discuss. So let me share some because I didn't know about any of these, I don't think. Yeah. So y'all remember how Dreamgirls was supposed to have been made into a movie way before 2006, right? So one film production company got their hands on it, and they were in talks to make the movie, um, and they were planning to use it as a breakout role for a young Whitney Houston. Um, I don't think Whitney was famous at the time. I I think this was like early 80s mid 80s or something like that um but they basically wanted to use the movie to jumpstart her career um they ended up abandoning the project because Whitney was adamant on seeing this is so Whitney Houston <laughs> so they ended up not doing it because Whitney was very adamant about singing both Dina and Effie songs like she wanted to sing both songs and she was supposed to be playing Dina um but she apparently like really really loved and I am telling you and she was like no nah, I'm singing that one <laughs> so that is why they ended up abandoning the project um I wonder how that would have turned out like can y'all imagine Whitney and Dreamgirls um and that being like her like jump to stardom I think that would have been insane honestly Whitney Houston is one of those people that would have been a star regardless whether she got her start from a movie or anything else but it's kind of interesting that she was involved with both movies the original um the dream girls movie and she you know was involved in the sparkle remake so that was in the late 80s and then in the late 1990s biopics were all the rage um so y'all know how we're having a resurgence of them like in the last 10 years this was happening a lot in the 90s too um especially after the success of what's love got to do with it y'all know that's the tina turner movie um when warner brothers got their hands on the rights to dream girls they wanted to put the movie in motion immediately with kelly price as effie and lauren hill as dina 
Can y'all imagine that? I can't. I don't think I would have liked that. I'm not going to lie. I, I I personally don't think I would have liked that. I don't know why. I can't describe to y'all why I don't think I would have liked that. But when I read that, my brain said no. I don't, what do y'all think? I can't imagine that. Um, but anyway, the only reason why this version didn't happen is because Warner had jumped on the biopic wave already. Um, they were the studio behind the Why Do Fools Fall in Love movie. That was the Frankie Lyman biopic. Um, and that movie flopped. So they ended up shutting down development on this version of Dreamgirls because they were like, oh my God, if the Frankie Lyman movie did bad, this movie gonna do horrible. And um, I think that was smart. Like, honestly, like I said, I don't like that casting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like the Frankie Lyman biopic. That's another movie that's just like a cult classic amongst black people. But moving on. So Jamie Foxx's character, Curtis Taylor Jr., um, the studio approached Denzel Washington, Will Smith, and Terrence Howard to play him before tapping Jamie. As for CeCe White, who was Keith Robinson's character, they were in talks with Usher, Andre 3000, and Omarion for that role. I would have liked to see Usher in that role. I think Usher would have done a good job in that. Andre 3000 as well. I don't know about Omarion. I mean, I don't know about Omarion. He did good and you got served. I don't know. Um, for Sparkle, uh, the studios wanted Aaliyah to star as the lead. R.I.P. Baby Girl. Um, yeah, they wanted Aaliyah to star as the lead character, Sparkle, um, because before her untimely passing, as we all know, Aaliyah was really getting into her acting bag. Um, when Aaliyah passed away, Whitney Houston and her team just put the film to the side until we saw the new version in 2012. Another thing about Sparkle, one of the most interesting things about Sparkle is that a lot of it was inspired by black exploitation films. I feel like you can't really see that in the um, remake, but if you watch the original, you can absolutely see that influence there. Um, of course, there was a lot of inspiration from like the equal rights movement and the women's movement, but there's a lot of black power context happening there as well, especially with one of the sisters, Dolores. Um, and I will post today, like when this episode goes live, I will post like the, the promotional posters and ads for both Dream Girls and Sparkle, the original versions. Um, and you can really see it in the Sparkle. Um, promotional posters like you can really see that black exploitation influence we've had an episode about black exploitation um actresses a few episodes ago like three episodes ago two or three um and if you look at the post that i put there like when i posted some black exploitation posters and then look at the sparkle posters you can really see that influence that's something that i have never noticed about sparkle um until i, I rewatched. i wasn't able to find the musical um i just saw a few clips from it um but i did rewatch both the original um, and the remake of Sparkle and the Dream Girls movie. Um, and that was not something that I noticed until I watched it again. I just never peeped that. But yes, there's a lot of black exploitation influence there. So now that we've talked about both movies separately, let's talk about them together. So what do you guys think that these two movies have in common? Like, of course, they center black girl groups. They center black women, black sisterhood. Um, they are set throughout the 1950s and the 1970s, a really defining time period for black people. But in my personal opinion, it's my opinion, they are different. Um, I feel like Dream Girls is more about the music and... Um, kind of climbing to the top it getting lonely at the top the friendships that the girls had as they embarked on their careers and how that kind of crumbled um and how success can kind of just like ruin connections um for me sparkle is more about the family unit like even though there is like a lot of musical influence obviously <laughs> i mean i feel like the music almost is the backdrop for the movie um it's more so about how like 
they get some hope and then they get brought down. Um, so I don't know. For me, it's just like a different kind of story there. Um, the movies are going in two different directions, in my opinion. Um, as for the music, Don't Kill Me, I personally like the music from Sparkle better. I'm sorry. The songs were written by Curtis Mayfield, okay? Um, but I do think that the music from both films represent Black music at the time properly, though. Um, if I hear And I Am Telling You, if I hear Listen... If I hear any of those songs, I'm singing them automatically. I do prefer the music from Sparkle, but I think both um, movies and plays have music that, you know, defines that time period and music that is going to stick with us forever as people, you know? When your dream dies, boy, we'll make you happy. Yeah, 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 when your dream dies, boy, we'll always care. When your dream dies. I like that. You're welcome. Okay, so let's get into these polls. The polls can get kind of controversial sometimes. I'm going to give y'all the people's answers um, and then I'll give my thoughts. If you have not followed on Instagram, make sure you follow me on Instagram at the Vixen Memoirs. It'll be down in my show notes as well because you're missing out on these fun polls and I want to hear from y'all. So Anyway, let's get into this one. Okay, so the first question was favorite original cast, and your choices was, of course, the original Sparkle movie and the Dreamgirls musical. We had 40% for Sparkle, and Dreamgirls had 60%. Remember, the original cast for the Dreamgirls musical was Shirley Ralph, um, Jennifer Holliday, and Loretta Devine. For Sparkle, it was Irene Cara, Lynette McKee, and Dewan Smith. So Dreamgirls winning, I totally understand. Like, we recognize all three of this, these women, so I feel like that's why y'all chose um dream girls i would agree like i love all three of these women <laughs> especially loretta divine okay another speaking of movies that are like black um black uh cult classics can we talk about my funny valentine like i don't know why my grandma used to make me watch that movie all the time but like she, that movie was very important okay my Funny Valentine. I want to know how many of y'all have also seen My Funny Valentine. I might do a poll on that. But yes, I feel like these women are the most recognizable for us. So I totally agree. I would choose them as my favorite original cast. Favorite remake cast. Okay, for Dream Girls, it was Beyonce, Jennifer Hudson, and Anika Noni Rose. For Sparkle, um, it was Jordan Sparks, Carmen Ajogo, and Tika Sumter. Now, I love Miss Tika Sumter, but I'm going to have to go with the Dream Girls remake um, cast. Y'all went 88% Dream Girls, 12% Sparkle. I don't think I've ever had a poll that was like that much by a landslide. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> So that's what y'all chose for that. Favorite lead singer. It was between um, Jordan Sparks as Sparkle and Beyonce as Dina. Another one, another sweep. Dina, 88%. Sparkle, 12%. Of course, I think that Jordan Sparks is very talented, but Beyonce is the better artist and singer overall, in my opinion. Um, which remake is better between Dream Girls and Sparkle? 94%. Dream Girls, Sparkle, 6%. I mean, ugh. I did say I like the music from the original Sparkle better, but Dreamgirls is the better movie, period. Best original songs, y'all did 14% Sparkle and 86% Dreamgirls. This is about the remake, by the way, um, so I totally agree there. 
Then we had a spicy question. Who should have been the star of the group between Dina and Effie? Beyonce as Dina and Jennifer as um, Effie. 69% Effie swept the category. Dina, 31%. I agree. I agree. Effie had the better voice. They only wanted Dina because they felt Dina was more marketable, but Effie was the talent, period. Then we said, which sparkle was better, the original or the remake? Um, 75% the original, 25% the remake. It's so funny because actually I agree with this, but it's really interesting to see, to hear y'all's thoughts because critics say that the remake was way better than the original. Like film critics, people who get paid to do that shit um, thought that they, they felt the remake was better. But I agree with y'all. I think the original was the better movie in my opinion, especially with like historical context. Um, then I asked, was dreams, was dream girls based on the Supremes? 95% of y'all said yes. That is again, another sweep. I don't know why them people insult our intelligence by trying to tell us that it's not about the Supremes, but it obviously is. Um, other than the Supremes, this is the next question, by the way, other than the Supremes, who do y'all think inspired the dream girls movie? Um, I don't know why someone said Diana Ross, babes, that's the Supremes. <laughs> Somebody said Martha and the Vandellas. Yes. The Marvelettes, yes, I think they listed the Marvelettes. Um, they said, then someone else said, the trajectory of most of the women and men groups back in the day, they did that a lot. I agree. I mean, when you think about it, a lot of people switched out um, group members um, and they would not say anything about it at all. Like it would just be a new person in the group and that was just that. Um, and it's funny to think about that because that is what happened for people who, you know, were around when Destiny's Child was thriving thriving and around um y'all remember how they just randomly replaced um Latoya and Latavia with uh Farah and Michelle um so yeah it was just like <laughs> that was a very old school move but that was when Matthew Knowles was still managing them and like Matthew Knowles is old school and people were so outraged about that and I was one of them I was I was like what who the who is who are those two women Harpo who this woman um, but it was just like, that's a very old school tactic. And Matthew knows was like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> we replaced them, but that's just how it was, you know? But yeah, that happened a lot. But yeah, I got off topic there, but I totally agree. That's something that happened in a lot of groups. Um, members would just be replaced. Um, people would come in and out, like whoever they wanted to be the lead, like that would change. So yeah, I agree. I think it was like, it could have been just, you know, a combination of a bunch of different artists from that time. But I definitely think they centered Dreamgirls as their inspiration. But moving on. So In Your Eyes was Sparkle based on the Dreamgirls. 57% of y'all said no and 43% said yes. That's pretty close. But I agree with the people who said no, the majority. I think that like they probably got the idea for a trio um, from the Supremes, but everything else was different. Maybe the music inspired them, but like there are not a lot of similarities between um, the group in Sparkle and um, the Supremes. So then I asked y'all the same question for Dreamgirls, like who do you guys think inspired Sparkle? Someone said Three Degrees. I actually saw this answer a few times and I've never heard of this group, um, interestingly enough. I'm going to have to look them up to see like how they connect. Um, but that's interesting. I think that was pretty much it. Like nobody really had any other answers for that. I think this was, I can, I feel like Sparkle was pretty much a completely fictional take on girl groups of that time. Then we asked who played the better Sparkle between Irene Cara and Jordan Sparks. We had 21% for Jordan and 79% for Irene. I agree. Irene gave that role 
everything. And it's really, really crazy that she was only 17 when she played that role. Then we asked which remake is better between Dreamgirls and Sparkle. Y'all said 89% Dreamgirls and 11% Sparkle. Kind of knew that was going to happen. That's why y'all were like, oh, you, you set them up. And I get it. But y'all, come on now. We have to do this poll. Like, we had to compare. Um, then I asked... How do you feel about modern versions of girl group movies, um, you know, such as the crazy, sexy, cool movie, the TLC movie, um, the movie about the Clark sisters? I really liked that one. We had 75% for love them and 25% said save them. I really like these kinds of movies. Like, I think it's great as long as the people behind them are involved. I think that they should always be involved. Making a movie about a group or a musician or whoever, like, they need to be involved. And that is why the TLC movie was so great. That's why the new edition um, series was so great. The Bobby Brown series was really good, too. You know, those, these kind of things succeed as long as you include the person whose story it was. Then I asked, what group would you like to see a movie on next? And here were some of y'all's choices. Destiny's Child, of course. Will we ever get that in our lifetime? I truly don't know, y'all. I'm, I'm not confident that that will ever happen in our lifetime. <laughs> but maybe it will. I would like that, too, though. Um, then someone said the Jones girls starting from their backup work from Diana. Yes, that would be really great. Like, and then just something that just goes in depth about Diana Ross's life too. The Ronettes biopic. And we had a suggestion for who should star. Um, Zendaya, I think the Ronettes biopic would be amazing. I totally agree with that. And Zendaya would be perfect. Zendaya would kill that shit. Um, we had a lot of Destiny's Child, y'all. I don't know if we ever get in that. Total, 702. I think a total one would be really good. 702, like, I would watch it. But I don't know. Do they, and this is not a shady question. Do they have enough, like, meat for a um, movie? I don't know. I feel like that could be, like, a, a, a short, like, a limited series. Um, someone said the UK group Mystique. I agree. Um, I'm going to do an episode on them probably next season. Um, I'm very interested in their story. Uh, so yeah, I agree. SWV, hell yeah. Jodeci, absolutely. Was that a thing before? Was there a Jodeci movie? Why do I feel like there was a Jodeci? I don't know. Maybe they were talking about it. Earth, Wind, and Fire, hell yes. That would, I want to be on set for that. That sounds lit. Someone said, after watching their verses, I'm interested in learning more of SWV. Sir. Okay, we have a lot of votes for SWV, y'all. We might have to try to get that green lit. Like, I don't know if we need to start a petition or something. In Vogue, absolutely. LaBelle. LaBelle would be pretty cool. I, I, I think they could probably, like, combine, um, like, they could make a series about groups that kind of seemed where the main singer kind of went on on their own. Like, that could be kind of cool. Another vote for the Ronettes. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, y'all got some good choices in here. I agree. I think Destiny's Child would be the one that I would want to see the most. I think Black could be really interesting. I think that could be like a limited series. Um, I, I just think their story was just like so it's like they had this really, really crazy career and then it kind of like crashed down. Um, so I would like to see that for sure. Here's another question. Overall thoughts on Dream Girls. Iconic. Bomb. Great music. They did good. One of my favorite, this, those were all different responses, by the way. Uh, one of my favorite movies, period. Not just remake, crazy, talented cast as a whole. Yeah, the fact that all those people were in a movie together is like, that still blows my mind when I think about it. Uh, someone said they fucking did that. Absolutely. 
Um, the music, the costume design, the scripts and cast were just perfect. I agree. Like that cast really meshed together. And sometimes when people just try to get an all-star cast, sometimes it's like, eh, yeah, like this is cool, but like whatever. But that cast really, really worked. Um, someone said one of my faves. Someone said Effie should have shot Curtis. <laughs> Honestly, I, you know what? We're going to keep it politically correct on here. I got to stay PC, but I don't think you wrong. Curtis was wilding. Curtis was wilding. Curtis was so disrespectful for no reason. Like Curtis deserved absolutely nothing. Um, someone said great story, songs, actors, and costumes. Yes. Let's get into the costuming of dream girls. They did an excellent job for it to be a 2006 remake I thought it was amazing that's one thing that I liked another thing there's a couple things that I like better about the dream girls remake over the sparkle remake but I think they did a better job with the costuming in dream girls but then again their budget was probably a lot more um and then someone said Laurel loved her some Jimmy yes she did I don't know why but she did um, so then I asked overall thoughts on Sparkle. Some, a lot of people just said, rest in peace, Whitney. And I get it. It wasn't that great of a movie. But then again, like I said, Dreamgirls, the remake was truly larger than life. It would be very hard to stand next to that movie um, in any capacity. So I feel y'all. Most of the answers are rest in peace, Whitney Houston, RIP Whitney. Um, someone actually said better plot than Dreamgirls. I, I think that's an interesting take. Um, I kind of agree. I agree. I think the story was more um, multidimensional. It was very different from Dreamgirls, but I think it was more of a multidimensional plot. I, I, I get what you're saying. I agree. Um, someone said they barely remember it. Rewatch it. Rewatch it, y'all. Um, someone said, love, love, love. They needed a better sister. Yeah, sister uh, was wildin'. I don't know if you mean like the actress that played sister. Like she could have done, they could have gotten a better person. Or if like the girls just deserved a better sister than sister. Someone said, I loved the original Sparkle. The remake felt like a Broadway version, not a remake. That's interesting. I think that the remake could not measure up to the original. But I think... The original was more of a musical, in my opinion, like the way that it was written. I think, I actually think the remake should have just went to Broadway, personally. That's what I think. I, I would have liked to see Sparkle as a um, musical rather than a remade movie. Someone said, with a better director to see the vision and a bit of a better cast, it would have been a lot better. I, I agree. I agree. I don't know if like the directors really dropped the ball there. I would say like the screenplay version of it was not that great. And they didn't do a good job of like making it feel like a period piece. I don't know if every actor in there, like their face was just too damn modern. <laughs> and that could also go back to the costuming not being great. It didn't feel like it was set when it was supposed to be set. Um, and that's like, you know, a directorial issue. So I can agree with you there. Someone said the original is perfect and the remake is awful. Oh, I don't think the remake is awful. It has Whitney, but I get what you're saying. Um, and then lastly, someone said could have kept it, making it all churchy. Rest in peace, Nippy. Yeah, the church edit, I think she could have stayed like a housekeeper and she could have been a strict mom still like she was in the original. They didn't need to make it like very churchy. But you know, one thing about us, black people, we're going to take you out of church. That's just how it is. Um, and yeah, that is the answers for the poll thank you guys so much for participating in that um so let's move on all right y'all so y'all stuck with me to the end thank you so much that was the film review episode before i go i want to get into a couple announcements so again the show goes in seasons and this is the sad end of season four 
Um, we unfortunately go on hiatus after this episode and the show is going on another long hiatus, y'all. I have some things that I need to be working on. I have some content brewing up for y'all and I need the extra time to make sure that it's perfect for y'all. Um, so this show will be back on December 1st, but don't worry, we are going to stay in contact. I will most likely release some bonus episodes in the meantime, um, between now and the hiatus, the end of the hiatus rather. Um, you can also join me in the Vixen Book Club. We read a new book every month. Um, to join, just go to my website, thevixenmemoirs.com. It'll be in the show notes. You will sign up, go to your email, confirm the subscription, and that's it. Uh, free PDFs of new books are sent out at the beginning of each month. Um, and about the book club, while we're talking about it, there's going to be a slight change to the book club, specifically the way we do our meetups. It's not set in stone yet, but I will let you guys vote on what we should do about them via email. Um, so make sure you join the club and sign up so that you can give your opinion. Um, I am very happy with the book club. The book club has over 200 members. I love each and every one of y'all. I do this for y'all. Um, so it's very important for me to make sure that y'all get the most out of the book club. And I think with the way the meetups are run, y'all are not getting the most out of it. So we're going to do what we have to do to get it where it needs to be. It's going to take a little bit of restructuring. I'm coming up with some different options and things that we can do, but I want to get y'all's um, input on that and I will soon so please keep an eye out for an email from me if you are a part of the book club and join us if you have not also please follow on Instagram at the Vixen Memoir. So during hiatuses, I love to drum up content over there. I try to do as much content as I possibly can. So there's usually like more stuff going on over there during hiatus. Um, so come over there for more content. We're going to be doing more fun polls, some live shows, and I will do like one or two bonus shows like in between now and the end of the hiatus. As I said, you can always call me, beat me if you want to reach me via Instagram DM or via email at Podcast at gmail.com. Um, and that is pretty much it, y'all. So join the book club, follow on Instagram. I'm going to miss y'all so much, but I will be back on December 1st, um, back and better than ever. I cannot wait to give y'all some of these, some of this new content. I have a lot of stuff that I've been working on for y'all. And the only reason I'm taking a hiatus is because I want to make sure that it's done right. My girls deserve quality. My girls, my gays, my guys, whoever y'all are, um, y'all deserve the best quality that I can absolutely give to y'all. So just stick with me, join me on Instagram, join the book club so we can keep in contact. I love y'all to the moon and back. Thank y'all so much for an amazing fourth season. And I will see y'all with a brand new episode on December 1st. Love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Vixen. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to leave a review. If you have a submission, feel free to email vixenpodcast at gmail.com. We'll be back on December 1st, 2021 with an all new episode.